Welcome to Breakthrough with Brig, the podcast that teaches high-achieving Black women how to use thought work to break through barriers, get out of their own way, and become their best self in the most loving and sustainable way. Y'all ready? Let's dig in. Hey guys, it's Brig again. I think this is episode 28. I'm excited. So did you guys check out last week's podcast with Dr. Mitchell? If you didn't, it was bomb. I was so excited to have her on because y'all know I'm kind of a mixture of country city, city country. (laughs) Like I grew up and spent my summers in my early childhood in New York, but I'm from Texas. I know you can hear that little twang in my voice, right? And being in medicine or nursing and being a nurse, advanced practice nurse doing anesthesia, it's a little bit different. Like I have a little bit more play or availability to play in my work environment mainly because I created it with my thoughts, for sure. Because I know the way I show up, some of my colleagues thinks kind of unprofessional. I don't have that thought. I gave up trying to fit in some image of what's considered professional a long time ago and just decided that me being me was the best thing I could do for my patients, for the people I work with, for collaborators, for people I report to, everything. Because they always knew what they were going to get because it's just me. It's less energy draining for me because I'm not shutting some parts of me off or I don't have any resentments or I don't have any edits. I don't have the energy drain of trying to edit myself. And so I love that about me, but I also truly admire the people who are very academic and who use all the big words. And I am so drawn to their work. Most of the people that I study and pay attention to the books that I read, like I am drawn to that intellectual wrestling with coming up with concepts But I like my way of like listening to it, getting it, and then putting it in a way I can enjoy. And then you guys get the benefits of it. Those who like the way I explain things in my way, like the, are you treating your goal like a booty call? Right. I could have said that some other kind of way, but it just wouldn't have felt right or seemed right coming out of me like that. So I say all this to say like, I loved her concepts and I just really got into two of the concepts that I really enjoyed. There's, she had another concept in her book. If you haven't read her book yet, From Slave Cabins to the White House by Dr. Mitchell, she had another concept on there that I didn't get a chance to talk about, which was we were never able to be called homemakers as Black women. Like we do all the stuff, (laughs) but like, we are like 
I can't remember what the progression was, but like the last one was a homemaker. So we were a housekeeper, right? But what's the difference between a housekeeper and a homemaker? Same thing. The housekeeper will clean the house, arrange for everything, cook everything, serve everybody, but she's not a homemaker. Notice that distinction. We're housekeepers, but we were never given the privilege or the honor of being called homemakers. That was for someone else that didn't look like us. Like even now, all of the statistics of the black female woman and the one stereotype that comes out is either she's a welfare mama, an emasculating power hungry woman, or she's a overly religious mammy, right? Or she's a hoe Jezebel, right? Like we have these stereotypes, but we're never seen as homemakers. I loved her book because I wanted us to like understand the way people look at us and then give it back to them. That was it. It's not that I agree with, nor does she agree with how people look at us, but it's a way of like, oh, that's what's going on and give it back to them. That's you. I get to decide how I'm going to think of me. But it's like being aware and acknowledging it. And what's the driving force for why I'm trying to step inside this magical image of what I think I should be is because I'm trying to live up or not live up to the stereotypes that you have of me. And I'm choosing not to anymore. That's it. Cutting cords. I love cutting cords. So anyway, that was another pub for listening to last week's episode episode 27, if you hadn't already done so. So what I want to talk about today, so many people have told me I needed to share my journey. And that's the whole premise of this. Like, yes, I want to talk about thought work. I want to talk about thought work from my perspective as a black woman, using my stories, using my dialect, using how I describe it in a way that brings it home, as we say, bring it home. Right. And so last couple of times I talked about me wrestling with thoughts and me being a thought detective. I want to talk about how I decided to leave my good, good job. Yes. When you guys hear this on Monday, Tuesday, the following day will be my last day working full time as a nurse anesthesiologist, nurse anesthetist, advanced practice nurse, ending a 38-year history. There, like, there's something about that. Like, It's like I should have stayed two more years so I can say a 40-year work history in nursing. I started nursing in 1983, right? So this is 21. Wow. And I want to talk about my journey, but I want to talk about it in phases because I don't think this is something I can do in just one podcast, but I want to talk about how we are as high achieving women, especially, and how when we get to a certain level, we believe there's this 
pressure that we put on ourselves that we can't fuck up anymore. Like we got to keep it right. And like you've arrived, don't mess it up. And our failure intolerance is lower. When you get that good, not the good, but the good, good job, like the double good job, like you got that good, good job. It's 10 times harder to leave something good for something greater than it is from leaving something bad to create something good. Like it's so easy for us, especially of us as black women. Come on, y'all. We will leave something bad and work three and four jobs, go to school, get our work nights, all of it, go on two hours sleep for like six years straight, struggle, live with our mamas, live in a, in a one bedroom and have all our kids with us. We will do that to go from bad to good. But that next level, which I think is the thing that we all want now is high achievers. Like we're there, right? Like we got the house, we got the car, we got everything that everybody thinks is good. It looks good on paper. It looks good outside, everything, except there's this little inkling and maybe you do and maybe you don't have it. So if you don't, that's okay. Nothing is wrong. But if you do have this little inkling of, but I want to go for more, especially if you know what it is. Like you already have like a business or a job title or a position or a nonprofit or a service, something kind of outside the box that really your brain is like, you know, this is crazy right now to be thinking about this. That's what my brain was doing. My brain was literally saying, girl, you are 57 years old coming up this year and you getting ready to quit the good, good job for life coaching, full-time life coaching. Like when I started life coaching, it was just going to be something I was going to do on the side, which is what a lot of us do. We have interests and then we like allow ourselves to kind of play around with it with a hobby. And then we start getting fulfillment from it. And we're like, oh, wait a minute. Actually, I'm kind of good at this. That's what happened with me. But I never really expected it to replace my anesthesia income. Like I didn't even know that it was capable of that. I thought it was for those people, for other people, but not for me. Right. When we think it's for other people, but we deny our ability to have that same dream, like, oh, it's for them, but not for me. And we don't say it to ourselves directly. It's just like, oh, yeah, but you don't understand. I can't like this is fine. Life coaching is fine. But like, listen, I got that good, good job. Like, really, I have lots of respect and prestige and like. I get to say I'm a nurse anesthesiologist, right? Life coach. But the longer I did life coaching, the more I invested in me in my process, like me getting coached, the more I invested in me 
seeing my transformation, the more I was like, this is the next thing. But notice that my brain was like, this is actually crazy to think this is the next thing. <laughs> You're too old for a next thing. Like literally we on the downhill slope. There ain't no next thing for you. This it. Keep it safe. That word safe. Oh my God, ladies, queens, the stuff we do for safety. One of the things that I realized is like when I started opening up to the idea that maybe just possibly, and just so you know, side note, I actually make more in life coaching now than I do in my career as a nurse anesthetist. I just want to say that. Okay. Because to go from how in the world is this going to happen to it actually happen is amazing to me. And I want to say that out loud because I don't think we as black women talk about the possibility to create money more. We don't talk about this shit enough. We don't talk about, matter of fact, I want to have a series on black women and money. Anybody who want to do that with me, contact me, right? I want to interview a couple of people on black women and money. Not right now, but that's definitely something I think we need to like unveil because I think we need to be having the conversations of monthly incomes that's like embarrassingly large, right? <laughs> I want to have those kind of conversations because I want to normalize us making money and making moves for money, not in a way of like, oh my God, she's just full of the money and she's just money hungry. Not in that, but in a sense of, no, I'm creating tables, I'm building tables. And the more money I make, the more money I have to give to my community, my churches, my people, my family, my kids, my legacy. And the more of us do that, the better our community. So that's one thing. I went off on a tangent, but I wanted to be clear on that because I don't think enough of us have those conversations of yes, actually making more money as a life coach than I was in the nurse anesthetist blew my mind when I started creating that. But I had to be willing to like start kind of playing around with it first and like being open to my brain going, you crazy. Introducing yourself as a life coach to people. You got that good, good job, like that status job. And then this life coach thing. And then I had to be willing to be uncomfortable for a while saying that. Like, I noticed the stages for me. Like, it used to be like, I'm a nurse anesthetist and I do life coaching on the side. And then it got to be like, I'm a nurse anesthetist and I'm a life coach, like equal. And then it got to be my side gig. Like, I would call it my side gig is like, and just watching as I started owning it more and more, like the more I did it, the more I started owning it more and more. And I'm glad that I went through it in stages because I don't think any stage of it was wrong. That was just where I was. It would have been hard for me to expect, like, I'm like going to go in and like, yes, I'm replacing my whole income. Not to saying that there's not people who don't 
create business and, and that's their mentality, whatever it is, whatever the good, good job is, it doesn't have to be anesthesia, nor does it have to be you're going to life coaching, right? But whatever it is you're transitioning from, if one has a status and one is like a startup or whatever, if you're not in total belief, that's okay. Wherever you are, just keep going. Like literally, just keep going and enjoying it. And it will unfold the way it's supposed to. Eventually, I started inviting my and, and announcing myself and introducing myself as a life coach that is also a nurse anesthetist. So I started doing it as the reverse. And then before long, like recently, I just say I'm a life coach. I don't even mention nurse anesthetist. People have to go, oh, and you know, there's that other thing you do. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a nurse anesthetist too, right? Don't get me wrong. I love my job as a nurse anesthetist. I think I'm damn good at it. I also think I'm a damn good life coach. I just get to choose now. Like I created options for myself. That's pretty cool. And I've had the experience of nursing for 38 years. So I give myself the experience of something else. If I have just one life to live, why not create other experiences? And why not challenge the ceiling that I had on myself? Like this was as good as it got. Why not challenge that? And when I decided that I was going to challenge the idea of the good, good job and the security of the good, good job, And took that on, my world unfolded because then I started seeing where I was making security. What was I making security come from? Why was I having problems saying life coach? And why did I have to interject nurse anesthetist? What was it that title gave me? What were my thoughts about it? And then I started seeing parts of me that I got to choose differently. Like, oh, your shoulder kind of bounces back a little bit more when you say nurse anesthetist as opposed to life coach. Why do you feel like you have to explain life coach and you didn't have to explain nurse anesthetist? I'm like, oh, because for a long time, nurse anesthetist was the dream. So it was like I achieved the dream. Like I worked my ass off to get in that and do that. And it's okay that it's no longer the dream. Like I've accomplished it. Like, but do I want that to be my limit, my end point? No. And actually, I created the chest out moment for nurse anesthetists with my thoughts about it, which meant that I can create the chest out moment for life coaching too. And you can create the chest out moment for whatever it is you want to create. It's a thought that you get to create that will create that feeling of that chest out moment for you, whatever that is. But first be willing to feel that discomfort of like, yeah, I kind of want to start this thing. I know it sounds crazy and own that. Don't dismiss it. Don't not address it. Address it. Go in, pop the hood Look at it and tinkle with it. Like, what is it I'm making this mean? So good. When you do that work, I did that work and I found out a lot about me. And I got to choose that I 
have value regardless of my title, regardless of the amount of money I make. I started playing around with it. Like if I don't make the same amount and I make half as much as I make as a nurse anesthetist in life coaching, would that be okay? I did that work and I was like, totally. It's like my kids are grown. I can decrease my house. I can decrease my living expenses and live the life I want and give myself another opportunity to experience life in a different way. So I was like, yeah, I totally can. And I started being okay and being willing to like see like less money wasn't even a bad thing. And guess what I did? I started coaching even more from that. Like, I don't even have this desire or this need or this pressure to make it what my nurse anesthetist job was. And guess what? When I started showing up like that and enjoying it and just perfecting it and like, just because I just want to be a great coach, an amazing coach, it wasn't before long. It was like a year later that my income actually surpassed Who knew? Like I literally, guys, I never even thought that I would get there where it surpassed, like really surpassed what I was doing in my good, good job. But we have to be willing to do that, like to take it on. Like I was willing to make less. I was willing to be okay with giving myself the opportunity to have different experience, which for me was less about the money and more about the freedom. I didn't want to be hospital-based anymore. I liked the freedom of working my job, but I was like, you know, I want to travel more. I want to be able to take my laptop, go to Bali for a month if I want to, coach and chill and go hike. I just wanted freedom. Like, what did I want to create? What experiences did I want to have from this point going forward. And that's what I created it from. It didn't need to even have more money. And I was still helping people. So I was like, cool, I still get to help people. I was so excited about that. But the push was, the difference was, I wasn't going from bad to good. I thought I was going from good to good, but I actually decided that I would go from good to great, okay? But the one thing I want to leave you with on this one, like this mindset shift was in order to create more, in order to create, like to be willing to dream, like, because this is what I had to do. Like once I realized that it was available, then I had to be willing to dream of creating something greater. That came with the opportunity for being disappointed because what if I desired something more and allowed myself to really desire it, like want it and fiend for it, right? The problem with that is like, if I really allowed myself to want it, like want it in a way where like I created a movement, which is what I wanted, like I created this business, this organization that was a change agent for Black women, that if I allowed my dream to get as big as I really wanted it to be, then I would be disappointed if I didn't create it. The question was, was I willing to be disappointed? Because a lot of times we don't allow ourselves to dream anymore. 
especially on the other side of 50, especially when we already have the good, good, the double good, the good, good job. What we're really afraid of is the disappointment that we will feel by the way, check this out, by the way we choose to talk to ourselves at the end of the outcome if it doesn't look like what we think it should look like. Like our biggest fear of taking that leap, of trying that thing, of finally like trying that business, of opening up that store, opening up the catering business, doing the bakery, of like leaving the job, taking your money, your retirement, and investing in that thing, that dream. The biggest thing for us as high-achieving Black women is really the fear of how we can talk to ourselves if the outcome doesn't look like what we think we're going to look like. That's the real fear. But the beauty of that is our feelings are always controlled by the narrative we give it. In other words, by how we say we're going to talk about it. And guess what I decided? I decided I don't care what the outcome is. I don't care if it's I have to sell my house. Fine. I'm totally willing to do that. Totally willing to sell my house, downsize, get an apartment. I'm like totally willing because like then I'm like, oh, then I'll be mobile. Then I can really live like a month in San Francisco, a month in New York. That wouldn't be a bad thing. Like I coach myself to like, how could that actually be a good thing? could actually be a good thing, right? I'm not necessarily tied to a house. So I was like, I'm willing to let go of these things and I'm not going to make it mean I'm a failure. Like the biggest hurdle that I had was how I was going to language it to myself and how I was going to feel if it didn't happen the way I thought it was going to happen. But we think that just happens like that's a given but that actually we have control over that. I get to decide, as a matter of fact, you get to decide before you even do it, how you're going to talk to yourself. I teach my clients this. We work through this. I call it having your own back. Like you get to have your own back. I've already decided no matter what, I don't care if two years from now, my business goes to tank and I'm in that end up back doing anesthesias, pushing my propofol, back working. I'm totally okay. I'm going to have my own back. Never going to be like you shouldn't have. I can't believe you gave up that job. That can't believe you did that. Like that conversation will not come out of this mouth. I made that decision now with my prefrontal cortex. I don't have to worry about feeling disappointed. I don't have to worry about feeling shame because that doesn't just happen. That comes because I choose a narrative. Well, guess what? I get to decide what that narrative is. And I've decided that narrative already. My narrative, girl, you bet it on you. My narrative, you gave yourself an opportunity. My narrative, I'm so proud of you. Like you had your own back. You did what very few people would do. Bet it all. Go for it. Bet on you understanding that you 
are the one that gives value. You have always been the one that gives value and you can give value for yourself just as much as you've been giving value for all these other organizations. And for that, I'm willing to bet on me and to experience that and to work on it. The other thing I want to talk about is, and I'm going to leave with this one. One of the things I was realizing, and one of the things that my mentor coached me on, on this, when I was making this transition and when I was really struggling, one of the things she told me, Brooke Castile coached me on, and she told me was, I cannot create something better because I was so afraid that I was going to fuck up what I had. Like, that was my biggest thing. I'm going to fuck this up. Like, I got it good, y'all. Like, I'm already at the top of my game. I'm 57. I got the house. I got the car. I got, like, I have the lifestyle. And I'm getting ready to fuck it up for this goal, for this dream. I was so afraid of fucking it up. And what she told me was this. I wanted what I had more than what I wanted to create. And as long as what I wanted, what I had more than what I wanted, what I wanted to create, I would stay with what I have. Because in order to be more, I had to totally destroy the person I am now in order to become the person who I wanted to become. Now, when she told me that, I had all kind of thoughts because I'm like, I worked my ass up to become who I am right now. And I got to destroy it. And that's what I was feeling. That was the resistance that I was having, that I had to destroy who I am now. I was going to give up my good, good job. I was at the top. Like I had the job that I always wanted. I was working like in the area that I wanted in the company that I wanted, with the people that I wanted, with the organization that I wanted, like I had it and I was going to give that up, destroy that for something that I wanted more. That was just a vision in my head. I hadn't even created it yet, but in order to go for that, I had to destroy in my mind what I already was. Like in order to be more, You have to destroy who you are right now. And slowly I had to decide that what I thought was a good job was actually the thing that was keeping me from my dreams. The one thing I wanted was keeping me, the security of where I was was keeping me from what I wanted. Because I had to be honest. I wanted the opportunity to be able to do something different. Like I've been at this for 38 years. I wanted the opportunity to see can I create something from scratch and build it up? Like, do I have that capability? I wanted to see, I wanted that opportunity. And in order to do that, I had to be willing to fuck this up, what I already had. Now, I want to talk about the psychology and the thought work that I had to do in order to do that, especially as a marginalized person. I think that work for us is important. I think it's important for us to know what our brain is doing it and why it's doing it and how we attack this. I don't want to give myself enough time to do that. So I love it when I give y'all teasers. I'm going to talk about that next time. Like the work that I had to do to do that. 
how did I do the work of being willing to give up what I had in order to create this vision that I had no evidence for me being able to create it? Like, listen, it's easy for people to say it now because I've already told you, like, I am actually making more money now in my life coaching business than I was in anesthesia. But when I started this process, when I went all in in it, I had no evidence. And actually, if you really want to think about it, like the evidence I have, it's just for now. It's a constant thing. I want to talk about how I manage my brain around that and the thought work that I did to do that and my transition into it. Because I think this is one of the things that it will help all of us because we're all in, some of us have that thing where it's like, I have this desire to be more, but I also have this primal urge of like keeping status quo and like how resistant I was to that coaching when I first got it. I want to talk about my thoughts about it and how I worked my way through it. It was another one of those things Like in my other episode, wrestling with a thought, this was one of the things I literally wrestled with and went to war with. I want to explain that on the next episode. And listen, question and answer period, go to my website, brickjohnson.com. Each month, because I want to create community where we have these conversations and dialogue and we coach and we ask questions and like, I get to know you guys as my listeners and like, cause I'm getting your DMS and everything. Right. So I've decided that for at least for the next couple of months, I'm going to do monthly question and answer coaching calls. So go to my website, click the link that says masterclass, get on my, on my schedule so that you can be a part of those discussions. Cause we're going to get into this on our next one and to the book. And to any other question that you have from me talking about wrestling with the thought and being a thought detective and how to do that. If you want opportunities to have these discussions, this is your chance. Go to my link, register for the masterclass, and I will see you on those Zoom calls. All right. Until then, talk to you guys next time. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, and want to take thought work even deeper with me as your guide. Opportunities to work with me one-on-one are available. Go to brickjohnson.com to schedule your own personal breakthrough call. In 30 minutes, we'll see if working together is a great fit. Brickjohnson.com, B-R-I-G-J-O-H-N-S-O-N. See you next time. Thank you.